Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Um, you know, the quarterback thing has been a uh, much debated subject, and it's going to continue to be. This is Saverin on Steelers. Hello to everyone in Steelers Nation. I am Stan Saverin from the Pittsburgh Steelers Radio Network, and welcome to our Saverin on Steelers podcast. We're up every two new issues uh, every week, two new posts. Um, if you enjoy the content, please let us know, and let your friends know if you think they would enjoy it as well. It's available at Steelers.com, and again, we have two new posts for you every single week, talking Steelers and only Steelers. Not a pleasant subject to discuss. Third loss in a row for the Steelers, two at home, and all bearing similarities in that they're games that could have been won. And maybe that sounds like kind of a loser's lament. Well, we could have won. You know, the old story about could have, would have, should have, and all that. But eerily similar in very little production from the offense. Defense still has a chance to get off the field and give the team a win. And in three cases, they were definitely not able to do that. Uh, a lot of conversation. There's been a lot of conversation uh, about the defense, um, and it was supposed to be much better than it's been. Clearly, it's been an issue, and there were also a great deal of topics talking uh, about the offense not producing, who's going to be the quarterback. But that has been consistent. Not a good consistent, but that has been a consistent issue. But so has the defense. They have been in position in all three of the losses to get off the field and preserve a win. Sort of holding up an offense that really couldn't get out of its own way. But they did not do it. These are startling numbers from the Jets game on Sunday. Playing with a lead just in the fourth quarter. Just in the fourth quarter alone. The Jets faced a third and six, and they got 35 yards. They faced a fourth and seven. They got 22 yards and a first down. They had the ball third and goal at the five. They get a touchdown. Third and six, they get eight. First and 20, the Jets get 11. Second and nine, they get 17 yards. And that cost them the game. Now, four interceptions didn't help either. But still, in the fourth quarter, as they did in Cleveland, as they did against New England, as they did in losing to the, I mentioned the Browns, they had opportunities, or the Jets, they had opportunities to get off the field and preserve a victory, and were not able to do it. 
Now, we're going to address the offense. You can't ignore it. And the quarterback situation, which is no longer a situation, in my view. But I think the Steeler brass and coaching believe that they would struggle offensively early in the year. They hope that the offensive line would begin to gel, and they have. They hope that the quarterback play within the confines of that offense would be a good fit and that the defense would carry them, that they would win games for them or at least hold up their end and then some to protect an offense that was having difficulty getting out of its own way and a quarterback who never found any kind of a groove. And yet the defense failed them at each and every opportunity. Sunday was a classic example of that. Cleveland, they couldn't stop the run. I realize the Browns have a good run game, but you just can't go into a game and say, oh, they're too good for us. The New England game couldn't get off the field. And, yes, they would have had to get the ball and score to win, but we'll never know because they never got on the field to find out. I don't think it's looking for excuses to say that the Steeler defense would be much better with T.J. Watt. Clearly, that's the case. I believe, and I don't think this is an overstatement, I think you may agree, that if T.J. Watt is healthy, and look, I get it, every team has its injury tale of woe. Every team can point to a guy and say, if we had him and he wasn't on the I.L., IR, we'd be much better. Every team has can say that. That's the nature of the league. And you're not only losing a great player, you're losing at the defensive player of the year. You're looking at losing the guy who is the best at what he does in the entire league, in the entire universe. So it was significant not to have him there. But I believe if T.J. Watt's healthy, at least for half the games he's missed, the Steelers sitting there at least at 2-2, two and two, if not more. And I say that because T.J. Watt, not just the sacks, I mean, it's no coincidence they had seven in the first game when he was there, and not nearly as many cumulatively as that in the, the other three games they've played. One against the Jets. And it's not just sacks, it's making negative plays. The rest of the Steeler defensive players are not making plays behind the line of scrimmage. And even though these numbers against the Jets aren't terribly satisfying, get a team to come up there third and 11 once in a while. Second and 10, something. And yet the defense is giving up those third and fourth down opportunities. So, yes, I believe you've got to give the defense a little bit of slack because Watt's not there. But it still doesn't give a fully bonded excuse for the numbers I just gave you, for example, against the Jets. Why is it that wide receivers seem to be always wide open in the middle, no one near them? Why is it? that it always seems to be that wide receivers or tight ends are constantly being covered by linebackers. 
or safeties or slot corners? And conversely, why is it that Steeler wide receivers are never seen crossing the middle, catching those same kind of routes, catching an eight-yard pass for a 20-yard game? Why are the Steelers receivers always stationary? And now we get to the quarterback situation. I had no problem with switching to Kenny Trippett. Pickett, Sarden. I was thinking about Matt Trubisky. I had no problem about switching to Kenny Pickett at halftime. It was time. And I'm thinking that they made the move not only because of what they expected Kenny Pickett would do or could do, but what Mitch Trubisky either could not or would not do particularly in running with the football. One of his strong suits was supposed to be, talking about Trubisky now, his mobility, his athletic ability, run with the football either by design or by scramble, and he just didn't seem willing to do it. Now, in the first half against the Browns and in the first quarter against the Jets, Trubisky was heaving the ball downfield some. A ball that could have been caught by Deontay Johnson, but wasn't, didn't help. But Trubisky just seemed to be, and I made this observation after the Patriot game, too reluctant to make a mistake. Mistakes happen. And I think that he was pulled because he wouldn't pull the trigger, either with his arm or his legs. The Steelers expected that Kenny Pickett would. And I think that, as much as anything, is why Mike Tomlin made the switch at halftime. What of his performances? Ten completions out of 13, but the three interceptions, you can't take that away either. I mean, the fan base wants to be all pro picket. He's living a honeymoon right now. But you can't turn it over three times. But the asterisk there is, I don't blame him so much for the first one. He did throw in a double coverage, but Chase Claypool had an equal opportunity to come down with that ball. That's what he's supposed to be doing, and he did not. The third interception was a Hail Mary. What can you say? You heave it up there and pray for the best. You don't hope. You pray for the best. They don't often work out. My issue with Pickett was the second interception and the pass intended for Pat Fryermuth. The ball, it's not with the throw itself. Wasn't a good throw. Yes, and Fryermuth got his hands on it. But you cannot make that throw. You've got the ball. You are in field goal territory at the 36. You've still got a third down to play. You cannot put that ball up for grabs like that. If he comes down with it, fantastic. But is it worth the risk? Maybe a veteran makes that same throw. I think most smart veteran quarterbacks would have said, I'll either take a sack here or I'll throw it in the stands. I cannot turn it over here. And Pickett did. Even he admitted after the game that it was ill-advised. Forget about where the ball was placed and that Fryermuth had his hands on it temporarily. You cannot take that risk. And there were other factors that cost him the game, but that was among them. Having said all that, now that you've gone to Kenny Pickett, 
You have to stay with him. Come hell or high water, you got to stay with him. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. And now here the Steelers sit at one and three. Bill Parcells once said, You are what your record says you are. And the Steelers sure look like a 1-3 team, even in a mediocre division. Mike Prezuda of the DV Morning Show and the lead anchor on the Steelers' pregame show, Countdown to Kickoff, joins me now on Savernon Sports. And, Mike, what are we to make of the Steelers team? They're 1-3. Do they look to you like what we think of as a one and three team? Uh, not what uh, I was anticipating, and not what they were anticipating. Stan, um, you know the quarterback thing has been a uh, much debated subject, and it's going to continue to be. Uh, Matt Canada will continue to be, but uh, I keep looking at that defense that you referenced uh, leading into this segment. And Mike Tomlin said in training camp that he expected them to be dominant that they had the uh, not just the personnel, but the schematics, the staff to be that. And they are not. And I, I get that you don't have T.J. Watt, but if that's the Jenga piece, how come the Jets did basically nothing for nine possessions and then became unstoppable for the last time? This is astounding, if you'll bear with me. Um, our friend Alex Cazorra of Steelers uh, Depot Here are the situations the Jets faced during the fourth quarter alone and the results. Third and six, they get 35 yards. Fourth and seven, they get 22. Third and goal, five-yard touchdown. Third and six, they get eight. First and 20, they get 11. Second and nine, they get 17. And this is, they just needed one stop. Maybe that changes the game. Yeah, and you could throw in a penalty on Tyson Alouelle that uh, turned the third down into a first down, yep. an impending third down. Um, just head-scratching. Um, you know, I thought they had uh, every advantage uh, pointing in their direction going into this game. The, the Jets' tackle situation was a mess. Now, they did a nice job moving the guard, uh, Vera Tucker, for, out to tackle. He's a very capable player, really high draft pick. Um but they still had Zach Wilson coming off of a preseason of inactivity and a really up-and-down, scattered rookie year. Um, 
I am uh, going to look at the tape again, uh, much against my better judgment, and, and try <laughs> to figure out what's going on there. But uh, I'm not seeing a lot of dominant. And if they were, you know, capable of being that, all right, take out the reigning defensive player of the year, you should still be good at least, right? And uh, the game was on the line, and they got nothing done. The game was on the line against the England. Not that, you know, they still needed to get the ball and score, but they couldn't get it back. And the Cleveland thing, uh, yeah, I know that they're a very good rushing team, and Nick Chubb's a very good back, but uh, got run over uh, too easily in that game. So, uh, you know, I, I think the plan coming in was to play really good defense and play just well enough to win on offense, and they haven't done either. I guess they're lucky they're 1-3 and three, if you think back to the details of the Bengals game. Yeah, undoubtedly. Botch extra point, long snapper hurt, challenge of a replay, so on and so forth. Um do you believe they went into the season understanding whoever the quarterback was going to be, that it was going to be a struggle, it was going to be a slog, and that they hoped to pr- improve incrementally, and that in those first four or five games, however long it took, that they expected the defense to carry them? Uh, I don't think there's any question. I think offensively they wanted to control the ball, run the ball, run play action off of that, incorporate quarterback mobility, and then take your shots when they present themselves. and. Uh, you know, Mitch Trubisky finally came around uh, yesterday in the first half. He was trying to make the kind of plays they have to make, not with his legs, unfortunately, but he took an early deep shot to George Pickens. He tried uh, Deontay Johnson a couple of times down the middle. Uh, nothing uh, came of it. And I think that's what uh, Mike Tomlin finally saw. And he said, all right, um, something else. Uh, this isn't working. Uh, they, they averaged four yards of play in the first half. Uh, I think they came into that game yesterday with four offensive touchdowns through three games and got zero in two quarters. I mean, how long can that go on? Uh, stuff happened when, when Kenny Pickett came in, and uh, most of it was good. Some of it was horrific. And that's probably the way it's going to go for a while. But at least there's uh, an end game there, right? There's, there's something to be gained. What's Mike Tomlin's uh, phrase? He likes to use short-term misery for long-term benefits. Uh, you know, I'm not saying tank the rest of the season because there's still 13 games left. But it's it, it's nice for them that uh, playing the guy that gives them the best chance to win now in Pickett also coincides with building for the future because they got to do both. It's interesting about Trubisky because, really, when you go back to the first half of the Browns game, uh, he was firing the ball downfield, and they had two consecutive 75-yard drives. They tried to do the same thing in the first half. Deontay Johnson dropped a very catchable ball. I mean, everybody wants to blame Pickett's interceptions on the receivers. Um, maybe, maybe not. But uh, Deontay Johnson might have altered the outcome to a degree if he hangs on to a ball. But I'm also wondering, Mike, if Tomlin didn't make the move, not so much because of what he expected from Kenny Pickett, but what it was apparent that Mitch Trubisky was not willing to do, for the most part, go downfield and maybe more importantly, run the ball when he had an opportunity. He seemed to not be willing to do that. Yeah, and had success going down the field. I mean, he, he did not link up with Pickens. Uh, I think that Deontay Johnson ball, after looking at it about the 17th time, I think a defensive lineman tipped it and it was coming in on Johnson kind of funny. And then the play in the end zone, you know, really nice throw in the double coverage and gave him a chance to make a play. High degree of difficulty there. Um, but, yeah, I think it got to the point where uh, anything else is preferable to what you're saying. Uh it's kind of the same way it went back in the uh, Ben Roethlisberger injury year when they started with Mason Rudolph and then he got hurt and he came back in 
and there was a game. Um, pretty sure it was in uh, Cincinnati where he was awful. Yes. And uh, the first possession of the third quarter, he one hop to pass on third down. And Tomlin said, that's it. Put Duck back in. You know, anything has got to be better than this. You get to that point, you have to react to it. And uh, I think he handled it well. I know he's getting a lot of criticism for it. Um, but I think Pickett looked to me like a guy who was prepared to play. I know it's tough to prepare as a backup when you don't get uh, the reps that the starter gets, but he said he was doing all the mental reps and all the extra work he could. And he said, he told Matt Canada, Hey, I got the playbook down, call what you want to call. Let's let it rip. Uh, I I didn't think Pickett was ill-prepared and I thought the timing was right. Uh, Enough was enough. I likened it initially to a hockey coach who after a couple of goals, even if they weren't the goaltender's fault, maybe a couple of breakaways, that to, you know, a tip, that kind of thing. He pulls the goaltender just to get a reaction from his team. Um, I'm sure that Tomlin, who measures things carefully, understood that if I make this move, he's now my quarterback. I mean, do you agree with that? Uh, barring injury, of course, there's no way that you can yank Kenny Pickett now. You know, I wouldn't think so. Back to the point I just made, you know, it's got to be at least as much about next season as it is this season the rest of the way because, really, what are their chances of pulling this out of the fire uh, with the way the defense is playing and, um, you know, the inexperience factor on Pickett's part. But I do think Mike Tomlin's usually pretty reluctant to talk about anything right after the game but the game. I don't know if he wanted to have a chat with Mitch Trubisky, uh, you know, on something – more extended than, hey, you're out, tickets in. Uh, I'm not sure what he was thinking, but uh, I, I think the timing was right, and they they can't do any worse with ticket playing, and they might do better. And whatever they do, uh, you look at the way that roster's set up, you got a rookie quarterback, you have a rookie receiver in Pickens, who I still think is phenomenally underused, and it's amazing what can happen when you just go to the line of the scrimmage and decide to throw the guy the ball. Um, I think Johnson's a good player. I'm not giving up on Claypool yet. Fryer Moose, an outstanding tight end in his second year. They're, they're all kind of in the same place, skill position-wise. And if they can develop that group together, they could be a hell of an offense. And if they can fix the defense, they could be a hell of a team again. They're, they're a long way from that, stand, But I think you can see it from here, even though you know it's going to take a while to get there. Uh, undoubtedly. I wonder about the resolution of Steeler management. You know, they at least publicly portray, hey, we're a contender every year. The truth is they're not. Um, I think most people thought that way. And to me, being a fringe wildcard team is not being a contender. Do you think that the mindset now will change after a one and three start? Now, I know they were one and three last year, but the circumstances were certainly different uh, than they are today. Yeah, I don't think they'll ever publicly acknowledge anything. I know Deontay Johnson said, hey, it's a rebuilding year, but you can't use that as an excuse. It is a rebuilding year. Last year was a rebuilding year. Uh, These things take a while, and uh, they're still looking for the right mix. And then once you find the right mix, you've got to develop the cohesion and the consistency. Uh, That's why I don't think they have any choice but to play Kenny Pickett the rest of the way. Uh, You know, he, he looks like he's eager and willing. He looks like he has skills. Now he needs the experience and he needs to grow and make the mistakes he made yesterday and learn from them and get better because of them. And if that stuff costs you a game along the way, so be it. Uh, just my personal standpoint, I don't know if the fans would see it any differently or not. I at least want interesting. 
Yeah. <laughs> it was not interesting anymore, and now it is again. So, yeah, keep playing the kid. Let's see what happens. Well, you put in one, at the end of one of your tweets, short-term misery, long-term benefit. Um, that brings us to the other side of the ball. Um, that's the defense. I think that they have been surprised, negatively so, about how poor it's been. Uh, I don't think this is an overstatement. I've said it repeatedly that if T.J. Watt's healthy, um, they're at the minimum 2-2. Two and two. Uh, but every team has its injury tale of woe. Uh, every team has a key player that goes down. Maybe not the pedigree of T.J. Watt, but I think that's fair to say. However, um, the other 10 um, have been very disappointing. The, uh, we read off the, you know, the litany of fourth quarter, and that's been a consistent theme um, this entire season. What's gone wrong there outside of Watt's injury? You know, I think the biggest thing um, yesterday was the rush and how they just weren't able to get there. I did. I watched a couple plays when I got home last night, and Malik Reed almost got there a couple, three times. And, okay, he didn't, <laughs> so it's not good enough. But I think they were counting on the rush. They were trying to play coverage in numbers and not get deep on a big play and, and, and not give up a home run. And they didn't think, uh, you know, their philosophy for a long, long time has been the teams are not going to be able to consistently drive the ball down the field against them because sooner or later they're going to get a sack strip or they're going to get a tip pick or somebody's going to make a play or the offense is going to make a mistake and, and a long drive is going to come up short. And it just didn't happen uh, on two consecutive possessions. Uh, they, they couldn't get back there and get to Wilson. They couldn't make a play down the field. Uh, and in the end, they couldn't stop the run, even though they did a real good job of it through the vast majority of the game. But when the Jets had to run the ball, they ran it. Is there any answer to this other than getting Watt healthy again? No, they better find one. That's, that's <laughs> why you have coaches. Uh, I, I, I can tell you they've tried a lot of different things schematically. They've moved guys around. They've, They've tried different guys in different spots, different configurations than they usually use. Uh, you know, keep keep throwing stuff at the wall until something sticks. Uh, it's going to be uh, certainly uh, – I wouldn't anticipate they solve their defensive problems in Buffalo, but uh, they're, they're going to have to come up with something that they can count on. Maybe it's Watt coming back. Uh, maybe he is that valuable, Stan, at least, uh, you know, enough to make that one play when you really need one. Uh, and if the offense can get a little better and, and maybe put you in a position where you can at least keep up and be in a position to play at the end of the game, um, maybe that's the answer. But uh, it, it's an unenviable task, to say the least. Because just, I think the last time I was on with you, uh, I was telling you how good I thought the secondary was. Oops. Uh, yeah. <laughs> didn't, uh, really, that hasn't really showed up lately. And those inside linebackers, I mean, they're okay, but none of them can cover. None of them. And they got to keep them out there because they're worried about getting run on. And then the other teams see them out there. That one third down on the last drive, they isolate the tight end on Robert Spillane. Boom, easy pitch and catch. I I don't know what you do. Uh, they don't pay me to figure that out. They just pay me to say whether it's good or not. Okay, well you're getting paid a lot to do this. That's for sure. But um, <laughs> what it's worth. Yeah, from my standpoint at least. Um, uh, the last thing. Again, because the organization has been what it's been and because of the official mantra they always put forth, um, is it better to just kind of ride along and straddling and, you know, maybe, you know, maybe end up 
you know, nine and eight, you make the playoffs, or to not have a disastrous season, relatively speaking, it would be. But you know, you finish six and eleven. Um, you make the right draft choices. That sort of accelerates the rebuilding process. Yeah, and I think you can do both, right? I mean, last year they knew keeping Ben around for that last year was going to be kind of a square peg in a round hole, all things considered. And they weren't expecting the offense to be lights out this year. But, yeah, I, th- I think you can keep playing picket with that young skill group, and, and you're, you're, you're going to reap benefits from that down the road, assuming you're right on these guys. And if you contend in the meantime, great. If you don't, oh, well, everybody got to take 6-11 and 11 every once in a while. Uh, I, I do know this, Dan. I, what they accomplished last year, I, I admire the Mike Tomlin never having a losing season thing. I admire the making the playoffs thing. That gives you, you know, this is supposed to be entertainment for fans first and foremost. They give you four months of ups and downs and entertainment. But if the whole end game is to get in the playoffs and get beat the way they got beat against the Chiefs, what's the point? I'm with I mean, you. That was about as non-competitive a playoff game as they've ever played, right? Very much uh, thanks to Mike Pazuda for being our guest here on our Saverin on Steelers podcast. Uh, join Mike on the TV morning show and on the Steelers pregame show, which will be airing at 11 a.m. on the Steelers radio network as the Steelers head to Buffalo. Tough road ahead, to say the very least. Buffalo, Tampa, Miami, Eagles, the lone unbeaten team remaining in the NFL. The tough slate. You wonder what's in store for the Steelers. In any event, we'll be here to chronicle it on the Steelers uh, podcast, Saverin on Steelers, available at Steelers.com. Please join me each weekday on ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 a.m. or on your iHeartRadio app. We'll talk to you again on the Steelers podcast. Again, we post twice weekly. So thanks for listening to this one. Tell your friends about it. Love to have as many of you as possible. I'm Stan Saverin, and thanks for listening to Saverin on Steelers. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? I think my battery's dead. With free battery testing and charging, we can help you get back on the road. So what if I need a new one? We have the right Duralast battery for you, only at AutoZone. And what about my old battery? We can recycle it right here at America's number one battery destination. Restrictions apply. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.